Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This sermon is taken from the 2011 Annual Missions Conference. This is the evening service of Sunday the 5th of June 2011, entitled Five Attention Captivating Cries. And the Bible readings are taken from Acts chapter 16 verse 9, Genesis chapter 4 verse 10, and James chapter 5 verses 1 to 6. Here's Brother Richard Rawls. All right, thank you, Pastor. <coughs> Pardon me again, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And I appreciate you being here. And I thank you again for inviting me to come again this year for your mission conference. And uh, I trust the Lord will give us others together. When I say that, I'm sincerely, I sincerely believe that we are so very, very, even extremely close to the second coming of the Lord. I believe that with all of my heart. I, uh, not setting any dates for it by any means. I think any man that does that would be foolish. Uh, but I've been reading a book by a fellow named Grant Jeffrey on the third temple. You know, the Bible teaches us that during the tribulation period, the uh, Antichrist will uh, defile the temple. Temple worship will be uh, reinstituted, animal sacrifices and everything. And in order for that to be done, there's a number of things that have got to be uh, done prior to that. And, uh, of course, the Jews, they became, Israel became a nation again in 1948, and God has stood with them as he said that he would in the book of Micah. I think it's chapter 7, and I can't remember the verse, but uh, the preparations for building a third temple is definitely underway. Uh, they for years thought that the uh, mosque, the Dome of the Rock, we've all seen pictures of on television, some of us have seen uh, in person, they thought that this was the site of the uh, Temple of Solomon and that it would have to be removed for the third temple to be rebuilt. But they have now discovered the foundations of the old temple through excavation and actually drilling uh, mine or tunnels underneath uh, the uh, the mount, the whole temple mount, and they found the foundations of the old temple of Herod, and uh, it, it, the new temple can be built on those very foundational stones and not disturb that dome of the rock, which is actually in the court of the Gentiles. And there's a scripture. And I can't remember the reference on it, but it tells us in the last days that the uh, that that section, the court of the Gentiles, it will be left out, which means that Dome of the Rock mosque can be left standing, and the third temple built. In 2005, they uh, reconvened the uh, Jewish Sanhedrin Council, which is necessary before you can have all the other things in place. And they're traveling and rebuilding all of the uh, temple furnishings, including the trumpets, everything. The showbread, table of showbread, the brazen laver and altar. All of these things are being prepared in view of the third temple being built. And I've heard talk that the, even the stones are being cut off site, currently being cut for the temple to be rebuilt. Now, there's nothing that's got to be done before Jesus comes back, as the pastor said, I think it was last night. Nothing. 
Uh, this could be finished before the Lord comes back uh, as far as the temple construction, or it could be, pardon me, after he comes back during the tribulation period. But I'm telling you, folk, we are at the door. Whatever we're going to do, we better get it done. Amen. Because one of these days, and it could be before, I, it may be I don't ride an airplane back to my wife to join her. It may be we'll meet in the air from the shout of the Lord and the trumpet sounding. Wouldn't it be a blessing? Man, I'm telling you what, I'm looking forward to that. All right, turn your Bibles, please, the book of Acts chapter 16, and then into the book of Genesis chapter 4 and James chapter 5, three passages of Scripture. I want to talk to you this evening on five attention-getting, captivating, attention-captivating cries or sounds. Five attention-captivating cries in the Bible. And uh, we'll read first in the book of Acts chapter 16, Paul the Apostle purposed to go into, into Asia, but the Spirit of God suffered him not. Then he was going to go into Phrygia, in the region of Galatia, but verse 6 says they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. Now look at verse 9, please. It says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So there's the first cry. Look at in the book of Genesis chapter 4, and in that passage of Scripture in verse 10, uh, God's talking with Cain about Abel, his brother, and he asked him, Where is Abel, thy brother? In verse 9, and he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Look what God said in verse 10. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Your brother's very blood is crying to me from the ground, God said. And then going into the book of James, if you would please look at James uh, chapter 5. And I want us to read verses 1 through, uh, through 5, uh, pardon me, 6. It says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries, that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped together treasure uh, for the last days. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. Look what it says. Crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived in pleasure on this earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. But the hire of the laborers is crying to the Lord. And uh, the cries of those that have labored is crying and entering into the ears of the Lord. I want to talk to you this evening on crying blood, 
crying people, crying money, and then we'll add one or two others. But uh, sounds and noises, cries that we hear. I remember back when I was still just a young child, I heard the noise of tires screeching and making a horrible noise, and then the sound of vehicles slamming together. And this was on Highway 41, close to a mile a mile from our home. And yet, because of the stillness of the air, the, uh, whatever, I was able to hear those horrible sounds. And then I heard the, the voices of people crying in anguish and pain and screaming and crying. And um, I found afterwards that a, an articulated lorry had started to pass a car going down the highway and that car, the, the lady driving that car did not, uh, she wasn't paying close attention and she turned left in front of that truck and that driver of that truck locked the wheels down on that lorry and they collided and the driver had held the wheels even when he saw the cab of the truck coming around like this. It jackknifed, it killed the driver and he killed himself not letting up on the brakes to straighten it out. Trying, his, trying desperately to keep him hitting that car with that woman and those children in it. And uh, I never will forget the noises that I heard that day. And then I remember on another occasion when I was 17 years old, I remember saying the first word that got a brawl started between me and a group of fellows that I ran around with and a carload of fellows that was running up and down the main street in our little town and they were speeding. I'm telling you, if they were doing 10 miles an hour, they were doing 70. I'm telling you, right on Main Street. And uh, so an altercation started between the group of fellows I ran around with and the fellows in that car. And at midnight, when we were closing the station down, uh, car lights came on up the way, and it was these fellows waiting for us to close down. And they came down in front of the station, called us some bad names, and said, if you guys are not afraid, follow us out the road, and we'll settle this. And we jumped in our cars. We're going to follow them. And uh, somebody said, hold it, hold it. There's the police. And these fellows pulled up to a train crossing with the lights flashing and the bells sounding. And this policeman walked over and shined a flashlight in the driver's face and said, you fellas, hold it. I want to talk to you. And that's all he was going to do, just talk to them. Then they'd receive some calls on them. And uh, somebody in the car, they said, hollered, rotted, it's the cops. And this driver took off, blinded by that flashlight, and uh, was going to uh, get across that train track and get the train between them and the police. But the timing was wrong. And the instant the, talk, the tires on that car squealed, taking off, that train popped up behind this building and uh, they hit, the car and the train hit each other and uh, the driver was killed and the guy sitting next to him was killed. In fact, the driver's head was cut off, both legs cut off. We literally picked him up in a sheet to send him away in the, uh, in the hearse that, that took him away. I will never forget that scene as long as I live. I remember we went running up to the railroad there. We left a car back down where it was parked at the station. And running up there, somebody said, I guess that'll stop them now. 
and it stopped them all right. It stopped us uh, as well. And uh, I remember looking at the driver, the fellow that, not the driver, but the fellow that had been sitting next to the driver, and I'd already seen that the driver was killed. And uh, I remember looking at the fellow that had been sitting next to the driver, and he was sprawling backwards across one of the rails where he'd been thrown out of the car. We didn't have seat belts in cars in those days. And uh, I could tell by his flinching and, and gurgling and so on, the left side of his chest was pushed in, caved in, and arm mangled. I knew from being on the farm and seeing animals die, I knew that that boy was dying. These guys were approximately the same age as myself. I'm going to tell you, folks, I know it was God that spoke to my heart. It was something like, it's almost like a voice spoke to me. He said, where would you be if you was this man dying for that other fellow's mistake? And my thought, it's like something said to me, and I know it was the Lord said, you would be in hell. And I'm going to tell you, it scared me so bad, I didn't even want to stand on gravel. I got over among the other people, and standing on pavement, I was almost afraid the grounds opened up and swallow me into hell. I went home, and I remember turning the radio on. We didn't have television in those days, but I turned the radio on, and I turned the light on, and I tried to block that image out of my mind, but for days, I could not, I could not put that out of my mind. Hey, I've been up north in the northern part of our country, and I've never heard this, but I've heard them talking about it. They say the noise of the, noises of the ice flows when the ice breaks up and starts going down the rivers. They say that is the most eerie, eerie sound with the, the grinding of those ice plates and the groaning and, and the, just the terrible noise that makes. Uh, but really... I think about the noise of earth plates when the pressure builds up in preparation for an earthquake and then when the earthquake starts, the grinding of those plates under the ground, buildings falling and people screaming where even tens of thousands have been killed in those quakes. And I say to you that these sounds with the deafening roar of all these sounds really would pale into nothingness in contrast to the din and deafening noise of those trapped in the regions and confines of the damned in hell. Oh, folk, listen. We could hear this evening the lost as they're crying. I say to you that somehow, if somehow the curtain could be rolled back, we could see the drunkard, the rapist, the murderers, along with all the lost in general, now trapped in the regions and the confines of the damned, I believe that that even the strongest of us uh, would possibly faint. And those that didn't would turn away and say, Oh, I never want to see anything like that again in all of my life. Horror of horrors. Those people died, but they're not dead. They're alive for all of eternity and lost. I believe that we'd want to put that out of our minds. I think of the example of soldiers during the Second World War. When I was a child, I was only nine years old when the Second World War ended. And those fellows coming back from the war time and again, you ask them, tell us something about the battles. 
And time and again, those fellows would say, fellas, I, I, I just don't want to talk about it. And they were trying to forget it and put it out of their minds because the scenes they had witnessed were so awful and so horrific. Well, you know, uh, folk, again, as horrible as these things are, as awful as they are, I believe that the cries of the damned would cause all of these scenes to pale into nothingness. I believe that with all of my heart. But I want us to think about the cry of the living lost. The cry of the living lost. In the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, the Bible says there stood a man of Macedonia who prayed us, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. I don't know what the percentage is in our country, uh, but I'm told here in England that the, the population is 80% atheist. Is that correct? I've heard that. And I see some shaking your head, yes. Uh, can you imagine that? And uh, I think at the same time when I speak of this, of uh, folk like Sister Jane Curtis, and I never will forget her testimony, she said when she was even a child, just a little girl, she said she'd look up into the sky and she'd say, surely there is a God. And prayed something to this effect, Lord, I don't know how to reach you, but if you'll show me how, I'll accept you. And uh, from that, she met Brother Larry. And when they got married, they go over to the States. And for the first time, I believe it was, this Jane, you sat in a Bible preaching church and you heard a message concerning the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And she accepted the Lord as her Savior. And not only did she accept the Lord as her Savior, but she began to pray secretly and asking the Lord, Lord, if in some way you could just help me to go back to my own people and tell them about you. I'd like to do that. She had no earthly idea that a little later they're going to be sitting in a mission conference and hearing a message on Raphael. And the Lord's going to speak to Brother Larry so clearly and say, I want you to go back to England as a missionary. And uh, he was hesitant to do so. He was concerned about the children. And so he goes in, and I'm sure he's related to this. He goes in to kiss his children goodnight and to hug them, you know. And the Lord spoke to Brother Larry and said, Larry, I can take better care of your children with you in England in my will than you can take of them with you being in America out of my will. And he came forward the next night and said, God's called us to go to England. And the rest is history. I sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in this church. And I'm going to tell you, folk, it blesses me, it blesses me to come and be with you and see the love that you have one for another and to sense the presence of the Lord here and to preach and see your joy and rejoicing in the Lord. And I think of another lady. This lady, I don't remember her name, but I met her first at Old Time Baptist Church in Hamburg, New York. She was, she was raised in a communist country, Romania to be exact. And she said, all of my life, I was taught there is no God under the, in, in communism. And she said, uh, when I began to study medicine and the anatomy of the human body and its makeup and uh, the functionings of the human body, she said, I knew there had to be a God. And she said, I began to pray, Lord, please, God, if you'll show me how to know you, she said, I will accept you. Now, I know, folk, listen, I believe God, 
God says, if any man lack wisdom, let him, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. And uh, I don't know all the particular details, you know, sinners praying. I believe a sinner just pray, Lord, give me a car, give me a truck or something. I don't think God hears that. But if there's a sinner seeking, generally crying out, I somehow believe God's paying attention to that. And you know what? Uh, she didn't know it, but a fellow had answered the call to be a missionary going to Romania and uh, working in the very hospital that she was in. He found, he witnessed to her. He's witnessing to a number of other people, but she showed an interest and he ended up leading her to the Lord. She was gloriously saved. And, uh, and this happened to be a single fellow, by the way. They started dating. Next thing you know, they're married. And uh, he had come back to the States to raise additional support because a married man needs a little more support than a single fellow does. And uh, she's now serving with her husband faithfully as missionaries in the country of, of Romania. Can you hear the cries still yet of others in so many countries that don't yet have a missionary to go and help them? And they're crying somehow, Lord, I know you're there. Please help me to come to know you. I say to you, the cries, the cries of the living lost. Acts chapter 16 and verse 9. Paul was trying to determine where, uh, the, where God wanted him to go. He was forbidden to go to Asia. He did go later, but God's timing was not then. And then they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered him not, did not give him liberty to go. But while he's actively searching, actively working to do God's will, the Lord had this man of Macedonia that stood and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. I would to God tonight that we could hear the cries from people in Mexico, people in Honduras, people in South America, people in Canada, people in uh, Japan, China, and other places around the world that's crying for somebody to come and to help them. I remember when I was working as a missionary down in Mexico, and we would go to different places and the outpost and around, and I can see some of those people's faces as I close my eyes right now, and they're saying, hermano, por favor, manda alguien que puede enseñarnos. Manda alguien que puede, no tenemos nada. Mándanos alguien que puede enseñarnos, uh, que, que puede uh, dirigirnos en, en la palabra del Señor. Please, brother, please send us somebody. We don't have anything. Send us somebody that can teach us. Send us somebody that can show us and tell us about the Bible and the ways of God. I stand tonight and I cry to you, give us a volunteer. Give us somebody that'll go to help those in the regions beyond. Somebody where there's a need. We've got people in the churches here, and I rejoice in the fellowship that you have, and I thank God for that. But folk, please don't be content to just sit and rejoice in the good blessings of God when there's so many people lost, when there's so many people going to hell, and nobody to tell them, nobody to show them the way. I remember a plaque that I read as a child in different places, and... Uh, I don't remember where I saw it first, but it 
had these words inscribed on it. It said, only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I was challenged this morning by the uh, missionary's testimony when he was working in this particular country and Standard Oil Company came and approached him and offered him a very lucrative salary and said, we want you to work for us to help us open this country up to, uh, to exploit and bring out the oil and uh, make that available, you know, to the world. And they offered him, I say again, a very lucrative salary. And he said, no, no. And they doubled the offer. And he still said no. And they asked him, they said, what, what's the, the amount? Is, this is a tremendous salary. Is, is that not enough? Is that not big enough? What do, you, what do you want? What do you require? I can almost hear the conversation now. And he said, it's not the salary that's not big enough. It's the job that's not big enough. All oh, that we could catch that vision. And something of that missionary's heartbeat. And see, see the job that God's offering to us. I distinctly remember when I was pastoring. And the Lord began to deal with me about being a missionary. I didn't want to be a missionary. I wanted to go among the churches in the United States and around over the world and just preach and lift up the Lord and talk to God's people. I know now that was in my heart, but God was pressing me to be a missionary. Boy, I'll tell you what, pardon me, maybe bad English, but me and the Lord, we went around and around on that one. I said, God, if you want me to be a missionary, put it in my heart. Make me want to be a missionary. But I'm telling you, the Lord kept saying, missionary, be a missionary. I said, God, I don't understand how you want me to be a missionary. You don't put it in my heart. Please, God. And God, finally, I said, yes, Lord. And when I said, yes, Lord, to be a missionary, God began to show me, I'm going to use you to go to Mexico for one term, four years, to get the experience, the heartbeat of a missionary. And I'm going to use you to go among the churches in the United States of America and around over the world in preaching. And I didn't dream that I would be preaching mission conferences. I just, I didn't know. But at that point, he showed me that he was going to have me preaching mission conferences. Amen. And tonight, the idea of being a missionary, it might not be that appealing. Maybe you have a, a burning in your heart and you've prayed about it and prayed about it. And, and you've got a burning, a real burning in your heart. You feel like it's from the Lord to do something else. But God's saying missions. Be a missionary. Be a missionary. Don't be afraid. Listen, don't be afraid. When God's ready to do a work, he puts a burning in your heart for that work. But he'll lead you. And sometimes it looks like he's leading you in another direction. But that direction he's leading you could be in preparation for the thing that's burning in your soul. Amen. The cry of the living lost. The cry of the living lost. Hey, I think about people that I've seen up around over the world, that in Central America and South America, and I've traveled in countries in these, these locations and, and around over the world, and the, the, uh, the burden is still the same. The need is still the same. 
for somebody to go and tell them the misery is still the same. People without Christ, they're living and dying in misery. And all of these are souls that Jesus died for. And I know that you might think, well, I couldn't possibly be used. Missionaries are human just like you. The difference is that the missionaries have answered the call of God and God's working in their lives. The process has not been stopped by us saying no. We just go on and God gives the strength. I think about uh, about, uh, Cain and where he'd killed Abel. And uh, he said, uh, God goes to him and says, where is your brother? And he said, I don't know where my brother is. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, thy brother's blood crieth to me from the ground. May the Lord help us that people will not die lost that we are supposed to go to. And their blood ends up crying to God from the ground. But I want to give you the third thing. We've talked about the cry of, of those that, that uh, the Lord is working with to call. And, uh, and the cry of the living lost and the cry of the lost uh, that have died so horrible. But I want us to look now at the cry of the missionaries. The cry of the missionaries. And we read in the book of James that the cry of the laborers have entered up into the ears of the Lord. And I can somehow hear the cry of the missionaries as they cry for us to help them to, to get to the field of their calling. Help us to go and to make a difference and, and uh, help us to raise up the churches. And they're praying, Lord, raise up the churches and the people to help us to get there. And so many times, good people, well-meaning people, they don't see it. They don't get the, they don't understand and they kind of have this attitude of be you warmed and filled, brother. But they won't give what is needed to help them get to the, to the place. The missionaries really is crying, uh, go with us and partner with us and let us be your representative. At, in Thailand, Germany, Turkey, Greece, uh, Egypt, you know, places around over the world. When we take these missionaries on, they become extensions of your ministry. Please, I beg you, please, don't ever, don't ever entertain the idea that this is just money that's being paid out. Ask God to give you a vision of what's being done. Folks, listen, as the missionaries are going, they're reaping down your fields and they're extensions of your ministry. And uh, you may not see but just a little sprinkling of the rewards and the blessing that you're truly going to get from helping to support them. But I promise you before the Lord, one of these days, oh, one of these days, we're going to step through on the other side and you're going to see then what your, your pounds and your uh, prayers and your, your giving and your agonizing before God and praying for them. You're going to see what this has done. And I believe, I somehow believe, what I know the Bible says we'll know as we're known. Amen. We will know as we're known. And I somehow believe that we're going to meet people that's going to come up to us and say, look, I've been looking for you. You, don't, you didn't know it down there, but you sent the missionary that preached the gospel or gave a tract or reached out to me. 
in some way, I got saved as a result of them. And I want to hug your neck. Oh, I want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I believe some of those people, having been so extremely poor down here, maybe similar to those folk that I was talking about this morning, they're going to say something like, hey, I didn't have anything down on the earth. I had nothing until Jesus passed by as a result of the missionary that you sent preached. But when I got saved, I became an heir of the king. And, uh, hey, I want you to come go home with me. I want you to see where I live now. I lived in a lean-to down there. But because of your giving, because of your praying, I live in a mansion up here. And they're going to receive you into everlasting habitations. Amen. That leads me to the last thing, number four. And I wish I didn't even have to give this one. I honestly do. In the book of James, chapter 5, look at verse 4 again, please. The writer says, Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. The hire, the money, is crying to God. And uh, it says, the cries of these have entered into the ears of the Lord of Seboah. I heard a preacher preach on this, and uh, he talked about crying money, money that's crying to God, that should have been given to the missionaries. And these missionaries going in our place and reaping down the fields that we should be involved in reaping. And uh, he said that money is crying to God and God hears it. And not only is the money crying, but the cry of the laborers who are sometimes oppressed and uh, trying to figure out how to get more tracts and more Bibles and get more of the things that's needed to do the work of God. Sometimes they're crying and trying to figure out how to keep enough funds to pay the house rent and and keep food on the table, and they're crying to God, and they're working and laboring with their limited resources. I remember Brother Jerry Alford, a missionary down to, uh, let me think, down to Venezuela, South America, and he told me, he said, Brother Rawls, if we had the funds, he said, there is so much more that we could do. There's just so much more that we could do. And then he went on to say, he said, the charismatics, they don't really have the gospel, I might add. They don't really have the message, the truth. He said, brother, they have money and funds to spare. He said, I feel like sometimes that we're sitting on the starting line of a racetrack with them in their high-powered racers, and they're screaming off the finish line, and I'm on a tricycle trying to pedal and just get to the end of the track. Well, Alford has been used of the Lord in a considerable manner and God has even opened up the possibility and they availed themselves of it to have a radio station that is broadcasting the gospel. I mean, every hour that it is on the air, they're broadcasting the word of God. I thank God for that. God's blessed him. But he, I heard him, I was talking with him just a few weeks ago. He said, Brother Rawls, and this is in a country that is going communist. He said, our next term on the field, we're praying for God to help us in some way to set up another radio station. Isn't that amazing? Oh, listen, folk. 
at the same time I'm saying that, this is the man that said we could just do so much more. Now, I know not every field has the, uh, the same results. Not every, not every field has that. Some fields are more difficult. Some fields are more open. But the opportunity is there for us to give. And if you're doing your best, God's just as pleased with you as you can be. And I, I don't question that, that many of you, are, you're doing your best. You're waiting on the Lord. But uh, uh, God's pleased with that. God's pleased with that. But uh, I want us to pray this evening and say, God, I want you to help me that I can hear the cry of those that are lost. And Lord, I can go to them and minister to them. And, and I, I want to I be able to stand before the Lord. And uh, one day, with, as these folk are being judged, that I don't have one of them pointing their finger at me and saying, I cried and there was no help that came from you. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to. I want to invest my life. Amen. And uh, I don't want any crying blood on my hands. And I don't want any crying money in my pocket that's to be invested in helping to reach others. Amen. And then I want to close number five by us kind of fast forwarding ahead. And as I mentioned earlier, we're standing in heaven and we're seeing the hallelujah cries of so many that have been saved. Amen. Rejoicing for all of eternity. What we might miss down here by investing in this world, it is so fleeting, it's going to pass away. But I'm going to tell you, when we invest for eternity, uh, that never passes away. And for all of eternity, we can rejoice in what God is doing and what God has done and with the people that God's given us a part in reaching. Amen. I want to say again, it's been such a blessing to be with you. I thank you again from the bottom of my heart for inviting me and having us over. I pray Nora will be able to come, Lord willing, next year. You pray with us to that end. But uh, I love you in the Lord, and I thank God for you. You're special to us. God bless you. Let's stand, please. I want to say again in closing, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if there's one God's calling Please don't be hesitant to accept God's will. Please don't be, be hesitant to accept the call of God on your life to be a missionary or to be in, in some form of service, whatever it might be. Uh, don't hesitate. And if God's nudging your heart to give more, uh, if God's nudging your heart to just to give less, if, it's, if you know it's the Lord, don't be hesitant to do exactly what God says. Just mind, just obey Him. Amen. And know that God's going to be pleased with what you do because he doesn't make any mistakes. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, as Brother Curtis comes, I pray to your God that you would, Lord, just take charge of the service in every way. I pray, Father, that you would call. Lord, I'm praying according to the scriptures and your will. And I'm praying, dear God, that you would send forth laborers into the harvest. Please, God, call people out of this very congregation right here. Call them tonight. And I pray, God, that you'd help them, that they'd not be afraid, Lord, to trust you, to step out and do your will, to make it known so the church can be praying for them. And I ask you, God, that you'd help them, that they would father, follow you right along and let you work in their lives to mold and shape them. And, Father, to 
help them to be exactly what you want them to be. I pray that you'd help folk, Lord, tonight to just to believe and trust you. And I even feel like there's somebody that ought to make that known tonight, Lord, that you're dealing with them. Or at least come to let the church know that they want the church's prayers. That, Father, because of the sincere, definite possibility that you're dealing with them about being a missionary. Pray, God, that you'd help us tonight and help that individual or individuals, Lord, to, uh, to step forward. And, Lord, to acknowledge your will. And, God, I pray that you'd bless these that are faithfully giving. And, Lord, as you may increase the amount that you want those to give, Lord, or others to give, I pray that you'd help them to do it. Help all of us, Father, that we would, Father, be faithful and busy doing exactly what you want done. And I'm asking you to do this in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Where their eyes still closed and heads still bowed. I wonder if there are those who would lift your hand and say, Preacher, I, I somehow believe that God's dealing with me about being a missionary. Would you slip your hand up, please? God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? I somehow hear the echo in the Psalms. Is it nothing to you that pass by that we perish? Oh, God, help us to care. Thank God for these that the Lord is working on, possibly working on, others maybe. I pray that God will help us get a vision while there's still time. I remember a lady so well, and I've seen her different times, and she told me, she said, Brother Rawls, when I was a younger lady, God called me to be a missionary. But she said, I got married instead to a man that had no interest in the things of God. And she said, I've wasted my life. I'll stand before God and give an account for not having answered the call that he placed on me. I remember another lady when I was going to Mexico. and She was a business lady and I had uh, become acquainted with her as a result of this. But I, t I went by to see her. And I, I told her, I said, Miss so-and-so, I said, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be seeing you anymore because my wife and our family, we're going to Mexico as missionaries. And she looked at me with such sincerity. She's getting older and up in years now. And she said to me almost word for word the same thing except the marriage part. She said, Brother Rawls, I thank God for you investing your life she said, God placed his call on my life and said, I didn't obey. She, now listen to what she said. She said, instead, I have wasted my life making money. And she was a wealthy woman, but those are the exact words she said to me. She said, I have wasted my life making money. And then she added, one day I'll stand before God she said, I know I'm saved. I'm not worried about going to hell. But she said, one day I'll stand before God and I'll give an account for making money, wasting my life making money at the expense of serving him, answering his call in my life. 